Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. For months, we've been told to keep our distance from others. Whether that meant being totally alone or limiting who we interact with, for most of us, we've been less social than we were before this pandemic. It's arguably one of the worst parts about this virus. We can't interact with our friends and some family as freely as we once did. I get to see some of my colleagues at CNN when I need to be in the studio and at the hospital when I'm performing operations. But that's pretty much it. These days, most of my social interaction is with the people I live with, my wife and my kids. I love having this extra time with them. But this kind of social isolation for all of us can lead to loneliness and can have serious impacts on our mental health. But as I recently learned, there are also some less well-known side effects of isolation as well. Research suggests that our social skills may be taking a hit. Without regular practice, our ability to read social cues and accurately interpret body language can start to dull. You could even say we're all becoming a little bit socially awkward. So how and why does this happen? On today's episode, I sit down with Stephanie Cassiopo. She's director of the Brain Dynamics Laboratory at the University of Chicago. I really wanted to understand what was social isolation doing to our brains? I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Coronavirus, Fact versus Fiction. We thought we were good at reading others' facial expressions, but actually we might have uh, lost this ability during COVID. Stephanie Cassiopo has done a lot of research on loneliness and what happens to the brain when people go from social isolation to social connection. For years, the early studies of loneliness thought that loneliness was just an aversive signal, uh, a pathology with no redeeming feature right? No Mm. purpose. But now we know that loneliness has a purpose. It's a biological signal, just like thirst, a signal to tell us that we need to do something with our body or social environment to survive. So you receive this signal that you're socially thirsty, if I may keep the analogy. So you want to Mm. approach others and you say, yes, I have a great chance to learn from others and, and feel better about myself and have a purpose. And then you arrive and and read body language and facial expressions, and you think that you're still able to do so. But the problem and the paradox is that if you're by yourself for weeks or months, like we've been in COVID, the brain of a lonely person has been lonely for so long that it turned into a survival mode. So it focuses now on negative traits. So when you meet your friends, even the subtle signals, like someone's going to raise an eyebrow. If you're lonely, you will misinterpret this signal as a judgment, right? And I see you smile. I think you, that rings a bell, right, Dr. Gupta? Yeah, I mean, you, you, you take what would otherwise be an innocuous sort of 
body language and you you start to read into things and you you become a little bit paranoid and the idea that I would still lapse into this awkwardness I think at my age I I just think was surprising to me. The beauty of the brain it's its plasticity. It can learn and unlearn all the time. The brain is pretty simple and it uses the biological rule, use it or lose it. If you don't use a cognitive function, why would you uh, keep it, right? Like at home, if you're in your uh, study and working in your office at home, why would you keep the light on in the kitchen? Well, the brain does the same. If you don't use the kitchen area of the brain, if I may say, why should the brain keep the light on there? So if you're by yourself and you don't meet anyone, why should the social areas that are important for facial recognition or reading others' facial uh, emotions, why should the brain keep light on there? Instead, the brain's going to try to save energy for your survival and focus only energy in the brain areas that you really need. And especially we need a lot of energy in the brain areas that control frustration, emotional regulation, (laughs) and uh, impulse, all these things. What is specifically happening in the brain then during this time when we may not be having as much social interaction? Are there measurable objective changes that occur in the brain? Yes, absolutely. We know that from studies um, in animals that some brain areas will shrink. So we can see a cell death uh, after a few months in some areas of the brain, like the hippocampus, that is important for memory, spatial orientation, or even emotional regulation. And so after weeks, if people feel like they, they, they get angry more easily or irritated or have memory loss, even short-term memory, it's normal. It could be a sign of loneliness. Let me give you a couple of other examples. For instance, the locust is this fascinating insect that can go from social to solitary. And so the locust, when it's social, it has all this brain activity in areas that are important for communication. They communicate through touch. So the areas important for touch will be hyperactivated. And when it becomes solitary, it, the brain of the locust shrinks by 30%. Wow. It's huge. But the beauty of it, Dr. Gupta, is that um, it's not the entire brain that shrinks. It's only the areas that are not needed. Again, the rule, use it or lose it. And so, for instance, the areas that are not needed for tactile communication will shrink. But the areas that are important for survival will be more activated. And what do you need when you're by yourself as a locust <laughs> to make sure that you, your life is safe? You need a big vision, right? So you need a big visual cortex to be able to detect uh, predators at a distance. So, so the, in the case of the locust, the brain will actually change and, and even have shrinkage in some areas by up to 30%. Does this, does this translate into humans? Yes, absolutely. So I met a few years ago at a scientific conference, uh, Dr. Robert King, who uh, spent 29 years in solitary confinement. Hmm. He was convicted, uh, I believe, in 1973 for a crime he didn't commit. 
any reports having oh. experienced this uh, memory loss and uh, emotional dysregulation that are expected after so many years in confinement uh, because of the the uh, shrinkage of the hippocampus possibly and also what was fascinating in from a scientific viewpoint and he too reported as very striking for a, a few uh, months he said that he lost the ability to recognize faces isn't interesting while he was in jail he couldn't recognize faces the hypothesis based on what we know of the biology of the brain is that it's totally possible that the areas that are important for facial recognition were not activated because they were not needed but the beauty of the brain again is that as soon as he um, uh, returned to society, he was able to recognize faces again. I mean, that, that, that is remarkable that the brain can change that fast in response to some sort of external stimuli like that. We think about organic changes in the brain because of a stroke or a tumor or trauma, but you're saying just because of the change in social interaction, there were there were objective changes in the brain. Now I think about it in the context of, of COVID, and, and I wonder, what do you think is, is happening to so many people around the world when we're, when we're in this environment where we've gone from being social creatures to more solitary? Even if we're with our families, we are still far more solitary. What do you, what do you think is going to happen? Well, um, I think it was a, a phenomenal social reset for the brain. We all learn things that we, um, we used to know, and uh, people might discover new symptoms of uh, loneliness. Like uh, we know that when you are isolated for so long uh, and the brain needs social connections, and uh, that's why we tend to anthropomorphize. So um, if uh, we start um, to, to talk to our coffee machine, it's totally normal. <laughs> as long as you know it's a coffee machine, Dr. Gupta. <laughs> Have you been talking to your coffee machine out there? Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but, but is the idea, again, like I think about my kids, for example, I mean, should we be worried that they're mainly doing virtual schooling? I mean, I, I have my own concerns about virtual versus in-person classes just in terms of the quality of their education, but in terms of the quality of their, their social skills. So we can see it um, um, two ways. We can see uh, the positive and the negative lens. I will say that Learning new skills is always an advantage for the brain. Uh, the only tricky part is there is a time lag uh, online because of the synchrony and the delay with the Wi-Fi that we don't have in real life. So the brain has to adjust to this new temporal scale and dynamics. And so um, if we spend more time online than face-to-face uh, -face with our, our friends and family, it will take more time for us to realign with our, our loved ones when we are face-to-face. Uh, -face. So what should we be doing now? I've been having a lot of FaceTime conversations now with my parents. You know, they're, they're not seeing as many faces and they want to see ours. And uh, is, is that a good substitute? So um, it's a temporary substitute, yes, and it's very good. Um, another thing that we can do to, uh, to help our, our loved ones or um, older citizens is, um, who feel lonely is to ask them for help. Ask them for help. Yes, because it's, again, from an evolutionary viewpoint, 
<laughs> we have evolved based on mutual aid and protection. And it's all about reciprocity. So for instance, our parents have helped us all our life, right? And they still are our parents. Even when we are 50 or 60, they still see us as their kids. And, uh, <laughs> and they want to help, right? And so that can go a very long way because they will still feel that they have a purpose in life. I, I think that's really good advice, I think, for anybody listening. You know, when you're talking about the, the impact on social skills and you're using previous research, for example, on, on people who've been in solitary confinement, those were different circumstances than when the entire world is going through a pandemic. So it's not just you that is experiencing this, but the people that you will subsequently interact with have also experienced this, right? How do you, how do you contextualize that? For the lonely brain, it's actually reassuring that we have this collective identity and we can all go through this uh, shared pain all together. And we know that sharing emotional pain can be um, extremely constructive for uh, our evolution. So I think it's a good thing that we are not alone in this and we are all together. I do hope this provides some reassurance to anyone out there who's been feeling like their in-person conversations have been less satisfying recently, or that they're particularly vulnerable to loneliness. Loneliness can be like thirst. Sometimes it just needs to be satiated. But sometimes even after you drink something, it doesn't quite hit the mark. And that's okay as well. These are normal experiences many of us are feeling. I really thought it was interesting to think of this idea of reaching out to someone and asking them for help. I've already tried this with my own parents. Oftentimes our conversations are, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. They seem very superficial. The other day, I asked my parents for help and they immediately went into a wonderful parenting purposeful mode. People like being asked for help. They want to have purpose, especially during this pandemic. As Stephanie also pointed out, one of the most amazing parts about the brain is its plasticity. So just as we can deactivate certain unused parts of the brain, we can also rapidly regain those skills as well. So when it comes to feeling socially awkward, and I'm right there with you, rest assured, this is temporary. If you have questions, please record them as a voice memo and email them to asksanjay at cnn.com. We might even include them on the next podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.